Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is Friday evening, and I'm drinking a hot cup of Bottom Gun Coffee from my friends at BottomGunCoffee.com. I have another great show lined up for you, but before we get started, I just wanted to mention my latest leadership book. It's called You Have the Watch, and it's now available for sale on my website and on Amazon. And I'm really excited about this new book because... It's not actually a book. It's a guided journal for leaders to take you through an entire year of leadership training. There are 50 themes in the book, and each day you will reflect on a different facet of that theme. This journal is designed to be on your desk at work for you to read and reflect on for about 15 minutes each morning. Leadership skills are just like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. And this journal helps you practice those skills. So if you're interested in this guided journal, go to youhavethewatch.com or Amazon and pick up your copy today. Now, if you're looking for other ways to support what I do on this show, purchase any one of my books at johnsrenny.com. And podcast listeners always can use the discount code DEEP at checkout to get additional savings. Well, that's it. Today, my guest is Samantha Brown. Samantha is an author, editor, and educator, but she also has a unique title that made me want to get her on the show. She is a military spouse, and more specifically, she is the wife of a submariner. She is the author of a brand new book called Subwife, a memoir from the home front, where she talks about what it's like to be a supporting spouse. Leaders, we can't do our jobs if we don't have our family supporting us in our mission. This was an enlightening discussion that I know you're going to love. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Samantha Brown. Sam is an author, educator, editor, and military spouse, specifically a Navy submarine spouse. She is the author of a brand new book called Subwife, a memoir from the home front. I wanted to get her on the show to talk about her new book, her experiences as a military spouse, and the process of writing this amazing book. So Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
Well, congratulations on the new book. I wanted to get you on the show to talk about it. So um, before we dive into the book, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you end up uh, finding yourself in the role of a submarine spouse? Well, like a, like a lot of unexpected stories, it started with there was this guy. Um, <laughs> I actually met my husband when we were about 11 or 12 years old. We've known each other since the sixth oh, wow. grade. Um, in high school, we had always math classes together. We always had our math classes together. We became friends. And before you know it, um, we actually just yesterday celebrated seven years married. Wow. We, uh, yeah, we just we hit it off. And um, I always knew the Navy was part of his future, but it took me several years to realize that I was also part of that future. And it took me many more years up until probably present day to understand that, you know, we were going to have to coexist in that way. Yeah, it's an interesting role. I think, you know, mi- you know, military spouses play an important part of uh, any uh, service member's life. Um, and whether it's the, the the wife that's being deployed, or the husband de- being deployed, whoever stays home has a really important role to play. And I, I think sometimes it's underappreciated. But I would say a submarine spouse is a very unique role, mostly because the, the level of contact is so low. At least it was in my days. I've probably gotten a little bit better, but um, still... Um, it's, it's, you're pretty much separated from, from your husband for long periods of time. And that is an interesting, uh, especially as, as a newlywed, your, your husband deploys. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what you have to go through. And that's what I was going to say, you know, what's it like for you? What was it like for you when your, when your husband first, you know, deployed did, did one of his first deployments? What was that like? Well, um, I, I honestly would say the the separation aspect began much earlier, began in power school because he's a nuke. So he went through all this training where every day he comes home with a new vocabulary, um, talking about these concepts. You know, I, I know in general how a nuclear reactor works. I know the cartoon they gave us in um, like chemistry yeah. class in, in <laughs> high school. But, um, you know, all of a sudden they, they come home with this new language and you are very quickly isolated from that, that intellectual pursuit that they're on, that training. And uh, by the time the deployment comes around, all you've got left is the physical separation. And um, to speak to the communication, um, in our situation, we had only email. Um, I will say, I think I got one phone call due to a family emergency. I got a, I think a pity phone call from from the boat, which is pretty cool. Um, we, We got a lot of email the first deployment. So I went in super spoiled. I was, uh, I was like, this is great. Like we can email almost every day, which is kind of why the, um, the, the, the central conflict of my book Subwife comes in because the second deployment he did, that was not the case. Um, it started out very frequent communication and all of a sudden we lost contact with them for, um, accounts vary, but on my, my end, it was almost three weeks and it was right when the Argentine submarine, ARA San Juan disappeared. So that's kind of the central conflict of the book was, um, two quiet subs not really knowing what's going on, hoping for the best, but yeah, that, that communication is is spotty at best. So, so this is the, the uh, Argentinian sub in 2017 was the yes. San Juan, right? Is that the San Juan? It disappeared November 2017. They found it a year later. Um, yeah. No, nobody made it, and it was incredibly devastating. Yeah, I wrote about that in my in my second book because I think people tend to think that submarine operations are relatively safe and, and they are. I mean, they're, they're more safe than they've ever been. Um, but people, submarines are still lost and, and entire crews are typically lost when this happens. So I can imagine yeah. your anxiety when suddenly you ha- you're not hearing from your, your spouse 
and there's a missing submarine that's you yes. Know, you're watching. You're watching the worst place. The, excuse me. The worst case scenario play out on CNN every night. It's enough to make you lose your mind. It's enough to make you lose your mind and write a book about it. That's honestly what happened. So that was part of the genesis of the book. Um, t- technically, no. Um, I had worked on <laughs> Subway for about three years. Um, I started in mid 2016. So we've been married just a little over a year. And I started my um, MFA, my Master's of Fine Arts at Queen's University of Charlotte. It was a low residency program, which I was able to kind of fit into the military lifestyle because it wasn't a full-time geographic location commitment. And uh, I just, I didn't know what I was going to write about for this program. I knew I'd have to write basically a book-length piece to graduate. Mm -hmm. And um, I started writing these pieces about submarines, about cargo ships, about all these really strange new things I was experiencing living on the coast for the first time because we grew up in the Midwest. And uh, one of my professors said, so you're writing a book about being a submarine wife, right? And I said, oh, I guess I am. Yes, that's correct. Because (laughs) when when we got married and I was struggling with the idea of being a submarine spouse, um, I kind of, I've always been a a writer and I looked to books to kind of guide my experience. And uh, there were no memoirs or nonfiction accounts by submarine spouses. There were several books by submariners or former submariners. There was a lot of submarine smut, but there was absolutely no memoir written by a spouse. There was one epistolary account called Letters from Zulu. It was anonymously published, just emails and journal entries. But um, I saw this gap in the marketplace. And um, honestly, I I thought to myself, somebody needs to talk about this. And if not me, who? If not now, when? Had to do it. Didn't have a choice. I have to stop you up. What is submarine smut? It's just love stories that have submarine oh, base. Oh, it's it's very we'll say um heavily romantic okay. uh, text that just happens to take place on a submarine. Okay. okay. I've read I've read a few Amazon summaries and it's enough to make you blush and clutch your pearls a little bit. It's a little shocking. <laughs> But but you're right. I mean, uh, you know, my my wife was a submarine spouse as well. So, you know, um, and there was nothing, you know, this was, of course, a few years ago, but there was no books. There was nothing. And so like 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 you, she was not just uh, like you said, physically separated, but but there was it was uh, there was different separation as you as I went through nuke school, went through prototype and all that. I suddenly was, you know, this different person. I've learned all these different skills and she was not necessarily along for the ride because she couldn't. I mean, it was, you know, it was, uh, you know, you went to these classes, you know, it was, and you didn't take your homework home. It was all done. It was all confidential. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I think you, you're right. There's this, there's this, um, uh, you know, mental separation. And then there's this physical separation and you're learning, like you said, you come from the Midwest and you're suddenly getting, okay, you know, nuclear power, missiles, submarines, uh, deployments, uh, you know, the whole Navy vernacular and terminology, it's, uh, yeah, it's it's overwhelming, I would imagine. And, and for them, for there not to be some sort of book written on this is pretty amazing, to be honest. It was time. It was time. And, you know, let's, let's also mention hurricanes. I'd never experienced a hurricane. And All I think right. they evacuated every single year, and it was always right around a move. So like the house was ready to be packed and they're like, oh, leave town. There's a hurricane. Oh, always, every time. Just yeah. the, the timing was exquisite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So being on the coast is, that's a whole new, that's a whole new thing. I would <laughs> imagine. Is. So, um, so, you know, um, 
what what were some of the lessons you learned when you you know I think um, this book uh, you talk about a lot of what you've learned what you learned about yourself through this process. So you're you're leading you know you're leading the household when your husband husband is gone. So and you don't have anyone to rely on. So if anything breaks, you've got to fix it. If anything, uh, the if the bills have to be paid, you got to pay it. If the car breaks down, you got to take care of it. So what are some what are some what were some of the challenges you faced, and what did, what did you learn about yourself through the process? Well, um, I, I did just out myself on one of them, hurricanes, evacuating from hurricanes solo. <laughs> yes. during Basically wow. during a PCS was super exciting. But that process plus just um, doing the doing the daily difficult work of, um, that it would be difficult if I weren't a submarine spouse. I was certifying as a teacher in Florida and I did not have an education degree. So I was doing like about 200 hours of coursework at mm-hmm. some, you know, just spaced out over about a year and a half to uh, to get by. But there's there's kind of a, I, I would never consider consider myself a resilient person. I um I crumble at the drop of a hat. I mean, I just I will break down quickly. But I think what being a submarine spouse taught me and going through the the emergencies, the hurricanes, the breakdowns. Um, I think our air conditioner broke every three months um in Florida. That despite the fact that I am a I am not a resilient or gritty person, that I still had this well of of strength of of resilience, I guess, that I didn't I didn't know was there. And um situation forces it and it's still there. And just because you break down and just because you struggle does not mean you are not still doing the work. You're not it, just because you struggle doesn't mean you're not succeeding. And that was, that was for me, the major lesson that, and um, as alone as you do feel as a, as a submarine spouse, often, especially in that gulf between you and the sailor, the gulf between what you can and can't tell your family back home or your civilian, mm-hmm. more civilian friends, um, you really learn from the example of the other wives, the older wives who've done it before. Um, our wardroom was incredible. There was not a person in that room who caused any of, you know, the drama you hear about. It just, it was non-existent. It was um, the most supportive environment. I could not have gotten a better group of women to learn from. And I say women because we did, I think we had two or three husbands at the time, but they were involved in their own career. So the wardroom that I experienced was a group of about eight women and um, just incredible people who had their own hopes and dreams and desires outside of the Navy and yet still managed to show up every day for themselves, for their kids, for the sailors. And um, just learning from their example and learning how to fall apart and stay together at the same time was invaluable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I don't think people realize the, the, the impact that, that, uh, or the, the, the importance of the Navy spouse is. And I think that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, and the same thing my wife experienced is that the the wardroom came together and the, the spouses of the wardroom came together and they sort of supported each other and they they kept each other sane. They, you know, uh, you know, they they network with each other. How do you how do you get this fixed? Or what, you know, we've got this problem. What do you deal with? So I mean, just having that support mechanism is huge um because you, you know, you're you really don't have your your you're you're pretty much like you said, alone uh dealing with all these problems. So um, t- tell us a little bit about the book. What, what are the, what are the uh, elements that you go through in the book and, and through this journey? The, the problems that I go through, I'm sorry. I had yeah, a glitch yeah. um, yes. So, well, the, the, uh, the kind of narrative thread that you follow through this book um, is the, the lack of communication. You're waiting for the communication and just trying to find, I, I was trying to find my own feet as a, a spouse not knowing. And um, a lot of it's just starting to understand the Navy culture, what it is, what it looks like, what does spouse culture look like? What are the expectations? Um, who am I going to meet on this journey? What types of people? 
And um, what is that support system I'm going to create for myself? Um, I know there's one, the chapter I've received the most feedback on bar none is the one about my dog um, mm. and how he just kind of became the center. We didn't have kids at the time, um, a kid at the time. So he became the center of the universe. He, he still might be. Um, and so it, it's, it's a lot about how you, how you create a system that's going to support you and all the times it works, all the times it doesn't, which in my case is, is so often I like, I'm probably the world's worst submarine spouse, which I, I hope I say that in the book. I don't remember which version made it through, but you know, it is not, it is not for everyone, but if, if you love someone and you have to do it, you do it. Yeah. 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 I, I think you're right. And, and, and the other thing is too, you know, what I was thinking about when I was reviewing this, this material is that, you know, as, as a, as a submariner myself, we know what we're getting into. We, we, you know, for me, it was a lifetime dream to do it, right? So I knew what I was getting myself into. I, I know my wife had no idea what I was getting into. And, and you know, and so we see it as, uh, and I see it now as, as a Navy father, right? So so we saw it, it was just our duty and it was, you know, it was a challenge and it was fun. Um, but now as a Navy father, you know, my son doing things, I'm like, I worry about him, right? And And <laughs> I never worried about myself when I was on a submarine, right? I knew what I was doing and I had, knew I had a good crew and I knew I was support, you know, that, that we were going to hold, we were going to take care of ourselves. You know, we, as we were a team and we were going to accomplish the mission and get home safe. I never worried about myself. And so, but I never realized my wife worried for me, right? I never worried, like my parents worried for me because now I'm a Navy father. I'm like, I'm worried all the time. You know? <laughs> Welcome to the other side. Exactly. Welcome. So now yes. I see what it's like to be a, to be on the other side. So, um, <laughs> so I think that's a, something that, that people don't really talk about is the, the role uh, the, of the fam that families play in, you know, in not really knowing what's going on. Like you said, the lack of communication being a big part of it. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Um, you know, one thing that you said that sticks out to me is, you know, you knew what you were getting into. Um, and the number of times people will say that to any, any branches, military spouse is, I mean, it's one if I had a dollar for every time I could retire five yeah. years ago, um, I wouldn't have written the book. It would have been, it would have been done. Um, you know what you're getting into theoretically, but you do not know how that feels. You don't know how the experience is. And one of the things I noticed just among, especially the JO spouses like myself, um, it's very difficult to give yourself time and space and the grace to grow and make the mistakes that come that, that bring confidence eventually. So, you know, I've heard it a thousand times, you knew what you were getting into. You married a submarine. Well, I knew, but I didn't know how it felt. And I didn't know that for every scenario a there's scenarios b c d that could follow and you don't get to pick which one it's not a choose your own adventure it is a right you are along for the ride good luck yeah yeah absolutely well now there's a guide there's a book that <laughs> that uh submarine spouses can uh can can look at at least i'm so sorry feel. guys <laughs> at least they get a feel for what it's like oh boy <laughs> What um, so, so you mentioned a little bit of feedback in one of the chapters. What other feedback have you received so far? So the book's just been out. I think it's right uh, beginning beginning of March. Is that right? Twenty two days. It's been out twenty two days. Even though we did days. have a bit of a pre order thing, so technically people have had copies since like January first. But okay, you know we'll call it a soft open. We have a soft open. Good, good. Yeah, I do that typically too. So, uh, but what's the what's the feedback, Ben? What's what are people saying? And um, you know, people that read the book, what are you hearing from from the readers? I have had um, kind of two camps of feedback. The first camp would be um, 
civilian friends and family, which of course I'm civilian too, but I'm talking about people who aren't yeah. married to the military. Right. Uh, a lot of, uh, I had no idea this is what it was like. I had, I've, I didn't even consider this to be an option. Yeah. I had no, I, you know, a lot of eye-opening experience, mm-hmm. but by far and large, the most important feedback and the most um, incredible feedback I've gotten are spouse, other submarine spouses, both brand new ones, ones who have been spouses for 20, 30 years, um, people I know, people I don't, saying that they felt validated after reading the book, that they felt like I got the experience right, that I nailed some of the big, the big fears, the big worries, the uh, just kind of the strange experience of of being in this, I mean, almost love triangle with your spouse and their submarine. Um, yeah, yeah. Hearing that they felt I got it right is the best feedback that I could get mm-hmm. because as a writer, you don't, you don't really share that part of it too openly with other people. I was not able to get a lot of beta readers who were submarine spouses. That just wasn't the expertise. Um, so hearing that they thought I got it right was a huge sigh of relief because that is, that is the last thing I want to do is portray it wrong, get it wrong. Where someone say you are literally the only person who had that exact experience. You mm. screwed up, you know? So it's been very incredible. The conversations I've had because of this book with other spouses are, um, super empowering, honestly. It make, it gives me a lot of hope for the future of military spouses. And uh, I'm really hoping that more books come out about this from any branch of the military, but, you know, with obvious bias, submarines as well. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. One ping only, please. As I thought, John Rennie's new book, All in the Same Boat, is right over there. It's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Your orders are to get there now. And remember, be careful what you shoot at. Most things in here don't react too well to bullets. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, this is this is a leadership podcast, and I imagine uh, a, a lot of listeners are are you know are, are listening to this, and, and they have spouses at home that are supporting them on their mission. Whether they're a business leader, a military leader, uh, they're an entrepreneur, and they've got a spouse at home, you know, supporting them on their mission. And and the question I have for you is like. What what can leaders do to make sure they meet the needs of of their supporting spouse? What what can what can they what what can leaders take away from this? You know, um, every every relationship is different. Every partnership has its own ebb and flow and needs. Um, I think time and conversation are two important things. I think there needs to be honest conversation between spouses about what do you need versus what do I need, and. Um, acknowledging that sometimes someone's needs are going to take priority, but then acknowledging that and getting back to a place where someone else can have their needs met later. And uh, I think the biggest way to do that is the gift of time, Um, Mm -hmm. giving time together or time for maybe the supporting spouse to pursue their own needs or to, you know, take a break at some point, because it is kind Mm -hmm. of a go, go, go constant. And um, sometimes you don't realize how worn out you are until it's all over or until it's too late until you're burned out. And uh, 
I think having those open, honest, if not a little bit brutal conversations about needs and what needs are being met and what which ones are not is really important in supporting a supporting spouse because you know, we, we can't do it alone either. We do it for the good of the family, but that doesn't mean we don't also need those gifts. So for, for us, the gift of time, time together, time apart and um, meaning, meaningful time is really uh, what kind of, what, what I would advise anybody else to do. So make sure not to overlook that, uh, that critical mm-hmm. time, you know, together. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I even, you know, as as a business leader myself, I traveled all over the world and I was gone all the time. You know, I was in Europe every other week, for example, and my wife was home with young children, you know. And uh, <laughs> so so even though we we weren't separated by an ocean, you know, this time it was very similar um, in that mm-hmm. I was traveling. She was home, you know, with the children. She she didn't work. So she raised our she raised our children. But mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I think it's a supporting role. It's a supporting spouse, just like uh, a military spouse would be in terms of, um, you know, being home and, and you know, husband's go- gone or wife is gone somewhere, you know, doing these exotic things. Sounds exotic. I'm in Sweden somewhere, but I'm sitting in a conference room. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that much fun. <laughs> but an but, exotic uh, conference room. A Swedish an exotic. Conference room. That's very exciting. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the time is a big part of it. I was going to ask you too. Um, I know with my wife, um, I would come back from deployment and like, I'd want to take back control of like the, the normal household duties, like, you know, pay the bills. And so did, did you have the, did you have to resolve conflict in that? Like who was in charge? Like when, when your husband came back from uh, deployment? Um, so I, I, I remember verbatim very few lines from my book, like word for word, but one of them is the marriage is never in more danger than in the early days of homecoming. Um, yes. Man, Cause man, you are so excited to see them again, Right. but they come home and I'm sorry, you're a stranger. You are a stranger in the house. The yeah. number of times I got startled because my husband would walk into the room while I was, you know, not, not remembering that he was there was, uh, I probably developed a heart condition from it. It was just, uh, you, you do get, um, you should get territorial. Like, Hey, I did this by myself for so long. Now you want to come, you want to come take yeah. it over. Like I was doing great. Yeah. Never mind that everything broke. We was we were fine over here, and uh, it does take a little time to work back into that. And I noticed that transition. I was not prepared for it even more when he transitioned from sea tour to shore duty, because yeah. then it, and and right when ours happened, right about when COVID hit, we were just a couple months. We came to Kansas here, and uh, then COVID happened. So all of a sudden, it's like not only are you home, you're home, home. You are stuck home. Yeah, yeah. So lot of a uh, redivision of labor and reevaluation of roles within the home. It was a, that was a growing pain for the ages. I will remember that for a long time. I, I no, I said that we had the same challenge when I get out of the military uh, because I, I was on a brand new submarine and we, we were gone all the time. And so um, I, you know, in the four years that I was uh, on the, I was on the USS Tennessee, she was I was under the ocean two two of those years, so I uh, spent a lot of time at sea. And when I got out, I went got a job in corporate, and we're like, okay, now it's just you and me, and and we're out of the navy. And it was, and we we actually said that to ourselves, like, are we going to be able to survive now being together because we've always been apart? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting. Uh, it was it was a challenge, you know, in the beginning, because like you said, we're stepping on each other and whose whose role is and whose whose responsibility is what and just trying to figure mm-hmm. out, you know, um, yeah, working well, it's through so, that. It's so cliche. You know, who does the remote belong to and when? Who does that TV <laughs> remote truly belong to? That was a 
I'm ne- I've never been territorial about TV, but man, he came home and stayed home. And I was like, wait a minute, when do, when do I get to watch yes. my shows? Yes. Because you've taken over the remote. Yeah. You mentioned dogs. Um, when, when, when I, before deployment, my dogs were not allowed. My dog was not allowed on the couch or on the furniture. But when I came back, uh, the dog was very comfortable to be on the couch or on the bed. And because mm-hmm. again, it, it was, it was her companion while I was gone. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I know how this story ends. I know how every story, the dog wasn't allowed on the X. I know how that ends. Right. And I deployed right. then. I think my husband started shift work when our dog was like four or five months old. That was it. That was, we have a king size bed now because of our dog who was supposed to be super little and he's 80 pounds now. So, you know, <laughs> we got a horse. Oops. You thought it was a dog. You got a horse. Surprise. <laughs> so I wanted to talk to you about um, a little bit about the process of writing the book and mm-hmm. what was it like for you? Um, uh, you know, you mentioned you, you, you were going to school, you had this idea, uh, you, you had an assignment to write a, a, a book length um, uh, or, or, or a book. Um, but what was it like writing um where did you find uh, time to do the writing? How did you uh, formulate your book? And then what did you learn through the whole process? Oh, well, um, writing the book itself, it was, like I mentioned before, it was my master's thesis. So I took okay. about um, about two years to write what, what you see in the published version is about 60% of what I turned in for my okay. thesis. I, uh, my thesis was originally an essay collection called Subwife, same thing. And um when I, when I wrote it, man, it was, it was the, the best hard work I've ever done. Like I said, I've always been a writer that has always been my, my passion, my bent. It, it's never not been an option. It, it's always been, you know, a book is going to get written. I don't know about what, um, there's never been another option. Just like my husband, there's never been another option, but to serve. This is, this is what, who we are. This is what we do. Um, so it was, it was a lot of hard work. It was a, a lot of time. I was very, uh, kind of inversely fortunate ironically fortunate that um, most of his time underwater was when I was in grad school. So mm-hmm. time when I normally would have spent with him, you know, traveling or doing stuff, I was camped out at my house writing. I would go to libraries, coffee shops. We would walking distance to a lot of those. And uh, I spent a lot of time inside hiding from the Florida sun, making sure this book got written and got written well. And um, my program was a workshop-based program. So every month or so, plus, um, twice a year, I would do intensive workshops on everything I'd written. So groups of three to eight people would read my work and give me feedback and we would trade feedback. So it was a, it was a very intense program, but when you're doing something you love that you are passionate about, it does not feel like work for even half a second. So the book, as you see it is about 60% of that. Plus um, I got an agent through my program after I graduated. Um, Her name is Tracy Crow. She's an incredible, intimidating human. She is a uh, (laughs) Yeah, she's a force of nature. And she looked at my book and said, I like this. I want to publish this, but you need to make it commercial. It can't be an academic thesis. So that is when uh, about the last 40% of the book got added. And it was about a year long process to find a place. We had a few nibbles here and there. We had, we got ghosted once, which I didn't know was something that could happen in the publishing world. We had a, we had someone say, here's a deal for you in writing. And then they were like, Oh, can't do it anymore. Sorry. Um, Lots of surprises. And then uh, March of last year, uh, Mill Speak Books was a, a revitalized press and they decided that my book would be their first publication with their revitalized uh, image and all that, all that kind of stuff. It was great. Um, 
So it was a lot of time, a lot of work. Um, I know I took a year break in there because I had a baby and I couldn't think straight yeah. for, uh, yeah. I still can't think straight. I'm going to rescind that comment. I still cannot think straight, but I've learned to think around that. And, uh, it, yeah, it was a lot of work, a lot of time, but worth every, every minute of it. So you said, so you said you write in different places, just kind of curious about, uh, so you wrote in, wrote in coffee shops, uh, yeah. uh, I would assume at, in, at your house. Did, yes. Or, or, what, where did you find the best place to write? Oh, um, that's a fun question because I also love to swim. I swim laps. I okay. probably get the most writing done in my head while I'm swimming laps. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'll write it in my head and then I, I jump out of the pool at the end. I type notes on my phone and then I uh, put them away and I hope they make sense later. So I probably get the most work done there, but uh, you know, it's really, it's whenever I have the time and the place I, I love to be out of my house now, but that is definitely a COVID thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's funny. Cause you know, I always dreamed that, 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 that being an author would be like being in a, like a cabin, like in the mountains. And I'd have my two golden retrievers by my feet and I would have this, you know, nice, beautiful setup and I would drink coffee and, and, you know, just be isolated for months and just write a book. But, <laughs> but that was nothing like what it was like I mean, as a, as a business, I'm a business owner and a CEO of a company. I was, I was writing, uh, I was on a plane to China and I'm, you know, and writing a <laughs> chapter on the plane to China or, or, you know, on, on my lunch breaks at work and things like that. So anytime I found time, I oh, would yeah. just, yeah, I would just, you know, put pen, not pen to paper, but uh, keyboard. To, I remember um, being at a friend's Super Bowl party um, that Doug was deployed and we, friend of ours, one of the subwives had a Super Bowl party and I was super close to a deadline. I was like hours away and I brought my laptop. I sat on her floor and I ate nachos and wrote. Uh, probably 10 pages of this book because I was on a deadline and I remember her dog just like sat on my lap while I was doing it. I'm like, okay, you are not in the way at all. Nothing is impeding me. I'm going to get this done. I love that. It is uh, it is not glamorous, but I, I do have the, the cabin in the woods pipe dream too. It's, it's a nice pipe dream. It's an, it doesn't exist though. I, oh, I think, no. or maybe for soup for a few people, but uh... yeah, no, they're not real. I don't believe them. I wanted to ask you about this as a writer. Um, so I had a friend of mine uh, that wrote a book called the business, the business book Bible. It's about how to write a business book, uh, but it's a really excellent book. But he talks about in that book, the muse and the critic. So it's the two people on both your shoulders. The muse is just like it, the words are flowing. It feels great. You're, 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 you know, you're, you're writing tons of words. It's all coming together. And then the critic is on the other shoulder saying, no one's going to read this. This this is this is silly. This is a silly argument. This is common sense. Nobody's nobody's going to care about this. How, do you did you fit, fit, face any of the muse and the critic as you're writing, or is that not a was not a challenge for you? Every second of every day, anytime <laughs> okay. I think of this book, they're both still there. It doesn't matter that it's done. It doesn't matter that every word is printed. It doesn't. They're still there. Yes, I have no, I have no peace now that it's done. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Yes. Okay. So it's interesting. And and he says that you need both, right? So the critic mm -hmm. is there to sort of say, uh, you know, muse, you've kind of gone overboard on this thing. And then the, the, the muse is there to just say, Hey, this is great. You're doing great. Keep going. This is, this is good stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the muse, the, that phrase, um, murder your darlings, that's the, that's the right, the, one of the, you know, writerly advices that we all have tattooed somewhere on us. Um, yeah. the darlings is the muse and, the critic is the murderer. You, you, sometimes yeah. you have to do it. I, like I've said in a few interviews now, um, there's one sentence in some way, half of one sentence. So one clause left from my original first draft of the book. There oh, is wow. half of one sentence. That is it. Um, so there was a, a lot of murder. There's a lot of blood on my hands after this one. 
Yes, yes. Yes, I understand. Believe me, the uh, the second book I wrote was that kind of a book. So I wrote way too much, and then I had to pare it down to something that was less yes. than six hundred pages. So, <laughs> so, yeah. But but uh, but again, I think that's that's the beauty of it. I mean, is is that it's just you know, like you said, making making it commercial. It's one thing to just put all your ideas out there, but then it's kind of bringing it down to what. What is likely someone going to read, and what what is likely someone going to walk away and say, "This was really good. This I learned a lot through this process." So yeah. they call it the a, writing process for a reason. It's not just the writing; it's the writing process. Yeah, absolutely. So now that you have a published book uh, under your belt, what's next for you? Well, um, I I have started a second book. It is not about the military. It is not about submarines. I am very excited about that. Um, <laughs> I am putting that book. I'm forcing myself to put that book on the back burner for the next couple months. We have a move coming up. Um, there's a, there's a lot of chaos in the household right now. Uh, trying to find my daughter a new preschool when we move and kind of the, the, uh, the work of uprooting a household and moving us to our next location. So for the good of the book and the good of my sanity, I am putting it away until probably June or July. Okay. Then I, then I'm allowing myself to work on it again, but I'm absolutely, I, I, um, I finished Subwife. I think I signed the final contracts. I okayed the final proofs. And I was like, okay, it's time to start another one. It's time to go. Took yeah. me a while to figure out what that would be, but I'm, I'm happy to be writing again. Good. That's exciting. Well, good. Is it going to be fiction this time, you think? No, no. Okay. I um, I never, I would never rule out fiction as an avenue for myself, but uh, nonfiction has my heart. I just, I love how weird and, and incredible real life is. I, I can't ignore that. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way. But a good friend of mine who's written two nonfiction books. He was uh, he was in the Air Force, and now he just wrote his first fiction book, and it, and it's amazing. I was reading it on my uh, flight to Chicago. He's done a, an amazing job writing his first fiction uh, novel. So, and but it's based on his you know his his experiences in the Air Force. So it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So so he's done a really good job. So. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if fiction's yeah. down my. Uh, I, th- I think you have to get bitten by the bug. I really think it I has think to so. get you, and you have to get it. You have. To, I think you have to be open to it. It's a. Uh, it's it's tough. Fiction is fiction is tough. It's such a big market. It's hard to get fiction out in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're mm-hmm. right. Well, um, so how can people find out more about you and this wonderful new book? Well, if you're interested in me, find another interest. But I do have a website, SamanthaAutoBrown.com. Mm-hmm. That is uh, brand new. It's kind of still not under construction, but it will be improving continuously over time. It's a work in progress. I um, I'm very active on Instagram. Okay. I'm Samantha Otto Brown underscore writer on Instagram. That's kind of my professional page. And um, if you want to buy the book, it's available wherever books are sold: Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or if you want to support your local bookseller, IndieBound is a great way to do that online. Or just go to the store and say, "I want this book. You should order a hundred copies." Um, <laughs> Yes. And even more, if um, anybody is interested in a signed copy, um, you can DM me or shoot me a message through my website and I can arrange that because that is one thing with a small press. I did not pre-sign 1,600 copies and I'm very thankful that that was not my experience. I don't have yes. purple tunnel. Yes. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I do them one at a time here. So that's uh, just a little easier. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's good. Well, good. We'll, we'll put all those links in the, um, in the show notes. So everybody will have it. Um, and again, I want to just encourage people. The book is called Subwife, a memoir from the home front. It's a great book. It's a great um, story of really what, uh, what happens with the spouse when the, when the, the other spouse deploys and uh, the important, you know, the importance of that, that role in supporting the other person who's on a mission. So, and all leaders, you're, you are likely, if you're married, you have a supporting spouse. And uh, so this is a good book to get a hold of, read. And uh, Samantha, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show and to, you know, listen to your experiences. And I appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wannabet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.